This is the truth about Chainlink. We're going to reveal some crazy facts about Chainlink that you haven't heard of. Welcome to The Bean Pod. This is your place for all things stocks and crypto. From beginner tips to expert picks, use this as fuel for your investing journey. Because when you're in the know, your money will grow. This episode of The Bean Pod is sponsored by KyberSwap. KyberSwap is a DEX and DEX aggregator, which is built to facilitate all your DeFi needs in one single platform. Fast, cheap, and safe. User experience is KyberSwap's sole focus to make everyone's life better in DeFi. Welcome to the Bean Pod. This is Shane, aka the Jolly Green Investor. And this is Josh, the Nifty Investor. Today, we're going to be revealing the truth about Chainlink. We've done a lot of research on Chainlink. I know it's a project that's been around for a while now. And we're going to reveal some facts that you may not have heard of or know about Chainlink. And at the end, we're going to say whether we think it's a good buy or not. That's right. So let's dive into it. Chainlink, $3 billion market cap. Does it deserve it? I mean... A fully diluted market cap of seven billion, sitting at number twenty-seven. It's up there, right? In terms of ranks, right? It's always one of those. If you if you ever meet someone that doesn't really know a ton about crypto, there's a chance that Chainlink is one of the ones they've heard of. It was launched in 2017 by a Russian. It went on a massive run up during this last bull run, and in a lot of, a lot of these um, smaller crypto exchanges, Chainlink is one of the few cryptos that you can buy. You know, I remember as Canadians, there was a, a few of the old school exchanges and there was, you know, Bitcoin, Ethereum, XRP, Chainlink, yeah. right? So it gets a lot of exposure for better or for worse. Um, but I don't know why that is. Maybe it's because it's kind of a unique project, right? I think it's the one, like it's Chainlink. So it's the one project that almost links everything together. So you think, hey, look, Chainlink is partnered with absolutely everybody or partnered quote unquote because it's just a necessary technology to bring in information and data but i mean you dive into it and i'm not sure like what's going to drive the price what's going to move it up yeah you had a really there's a guy what sergey nazarov right yep he's the isn't there some connection to bitcoin there yeah, I, there was that uh, Bitcoin conspiracy video I made that he he potentially is the founder of Bitcoin because there's some weird things about him logging onto certain websites with his IP address at certain times at the same time that Satoshi Nakamoto was posting in the forums. So there's that to think about. But let's bring it back to basically what Chainlink does. So Chainlink is what's called an oracle. It connects blockchains and crypto companies with off-chain data and APIs. So when you think about the internet, there's all this data floating around, whether it be financial data, weather data, sports data, you know, data, data, data. It takes all that from the traditional web two and makes it usable in web three. So right away you think, wow, that's fucking genius, right? Everyone needs the data from web two to build the new internet economy of web three. There's not a lot of oracles that are doing the same thing. They're the industry leader. They are the oracle. So if you just learned that about them, you'd be like, oh, that's a no brainer. It's a buy, right? Like you're going to add that to your pool for sure. Yeah, I mean, I remember getting into crypto and thinking, look, Chainlink is used by everybody. Why not? Why is why not just invest in the company that's eventually have it's going to have to use every Web two project, you know, whatever information that they're going to eventually have to move into Web three and onto the blockchain. This would be the perfect company to do it. So why not invest some money into it, right? I mean, when when you go through the website and you see the partners and you see the use cases. Um, when you really familiarize yourself with what Chainlink actually brings to the table, it is quite astounding and makes for a compelling investment case. So here's a, a few quick examples. Their partner, you know, CoinGecko and CoinMarketCap use Chainlink for their data and it distributes their data both ways. Um, they're partnered with AccuWeather 
to bring weather data onto the blockchain. They're partnered with a bunch of sports analytics companies to bring sports scores and player stats. You know, for all these companies that are building sports NFTs and, um, you know, fantasy sports on the blockchain, they're all using Chainlink for that data. There's so much data out there, right? And one of the, the great things about them, because it's decentralized, it provides a ton of advantages over centralized data providers. So currently with Web2, if you're using what's known as an API. So if I want to grab sports data from ESPN, I'm using the ESPN API. Right. I'm relying on their data, but it might be wrong in certain cases. But because Chainlink grabs a bunch of data from a whole bunch of different providers and autonomously gets consensus, it gets the right data more than relying on a centralized provider, which really is you know the spirit of crypto, decentralization. Yeah, there's more nodes available. Instead, of, if something happens to that centralized server... <laughs> then next thing you know, the information can't be passed over to where it needs to go. And that's probably why Google's using it, IBM, Microsoft, a lot of the bigger names. I, th I think Google was one of the first large companies to actually work with Chainlink. Yeah, you look at that partner list and it is impressive. As you mentioned, all those big companies, they recently over the past few months uh, had a partnership, new partnership with AP News. So bringing news data onto the blockchain, they're bringing everything onto the blockchain. And I came across this really cool, uh, like a real world example of showing you how, how Chainlink data can have a financial impact on like an everyday business. So let's say a farmer purchases drought insurance. That means that if the yearly rainfall total should not exceed a certain level, a drought, the farmer gets a payout from the insurance company, right? Right. So you can automate this with a smart contract. Too little rain, you know, X, X value below rainfall level farmer gets paid automatically through this smart contract that Chainlink will enable. However, the Ethereum network can't measure the rainfall on its own. So Chainlink is aggregating data from all the weather sources that it's partnered with and figuring out the correct rainfall data. Mm. Now, if you're just relying on one source, say the weather network, what if they get that rainfall data wrong and then the farmer doesn't get paid out? That's the the downfall of relying on one centralized source. But with Chainlink, they're, they're getting data from all the weather partners and they make a consensus automatically to provide the most correct data. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, Chainlink, I mean, look, it seems like it's a really, it's a, it's a technology that's necessary, but is there anybody else who can do the exact same thing? Like, you know, yeah. like who would be a competitor who can, you know, overtake Chainlink and then disrupt everything that they're trying to do? Can can these companies not just create their very own Oracle right. and then, you know, start onboarding the data via their own system? Or is there any players who are stepping into the game now who might be better for alternative reasons? You know, you mentioned something before the podcast, maybe something like a Mina, Mina protocol. Yeah. Right. Could something like that replace a chain link? Well, that, that's, so that's, now we're getting into the case against chain link, right? Mm. So, for on the surface layer, after we describe all the great things it does, it seems like, you know, this company is going to succeed. But when you think about it, the first thing you mentioned is can companies do it themselves? And yeah. I think we will see that. So when, when companies like Amazon and Google and Oracle, these companies really start getting into the blockchain. These are companies that they don't rely on third-party partners for things that are such as valuable as data. They'll build it themselves. Right. So there's always the risk of the company, the big companies that are their partners now bringing it in-house. And there are, there's not many. You know, when you talk about layer ones, there's oh. like dozens and dozens and do hundreds, hundreds. Layer twos, there's a lot, whatever. Play to earn, there's tons of everything. But with the Oracles, there's not many. But it's interesting you mentioned Mina Protocol because it's a project that we've been diving into a lot recently. And 
their their new Oracle that is yet to really be launched could provide some potential advantages over Chainlink, which could make it a more compelling investment case than right. Chainlink. I mean, at this point, it seems it doesn't seem like there's anybody else who's really taking too much market share from Chainlink. I think they're doing some like one point three integrations per day or something like that. They have over a thousand different partners or businesses that they've onboarded onto their platform. At the start of 2021, total value secured on Chainlink was $7 billion. At the end of 2021, in a one-year time, $75 billion total value secured on their network. 10X. So there's nobody else. When you look at charts and you you investigate other players in the space, you know, like an API 3 or whatnot, there's just nobody else onboarding at that speed. And, you know, I'm wondering if I'm a business and, you know, I'm trying to get my data transferred onto Web3 from Web2, who am I going to go with? The one that's a trusted source in which I've seen it time and time again successfully and everybody and, and their mom, you know, with the IBM, Googles, with the Microsofts are all using Chainlink. It seems like maybe this is the clear-cut winner and it'd be tough to take market share from Chainlink at all. First mover advantage is difficult to you fight against when you're a new entrant into a sector. So when you have, so let's list the competitors. We have uh, API3, which is a new competitor. Much smaller market cap than Chainlink. Mina Protocol, which is a layer one and an Oracle. Those would be the two biggest ones that I would look at. Um, there's a few other smaller ones, but yeah, when you look at Chainlink, you know, it's, it's in the top 30. It's, it's a household name within crypto. It went from $2 to $52 all-time high in the last bull run. Now it's back to about $6. Man. Yeah, crazy, <laughs> right? So, so good. There is, there's not that much competition, but there are a few strong competitors like Mina. We like Mina for sure. And there's the risk of uh, companies bringing it in-house. But let's take a look at the actual token from an investment perspective. You know, when we're talking about the truth about Chainlink, is Link a good token that you need to add to your portfolio? Well, let's dive into it. So the one thing that it doesn't have that a lot of other tokens have is an ecosystem. You know, you're never going to see a play-to-earn game built on Chainlink, which is going to drive adoption. You're never going to see a metaverse built on Chainlink, which, oh, everyone's like, oh, this metaverse is on Chainlink? Well, we've got to buy Chainlink, right? Yeah. You know, Ethereum, Solana, these things have massive run-ups because Ethereum NFTs and Solana play-to-earn games, right? It's not sexy. Exactly. So without that ecosystem growth, it's tough. And you see that in other layer ones, like, you know, we love Hedera Hashgraph. But where's the ecosystem growth? So maybe that's why HBAR never really saw that massive run that Solana did because there is no ecosystem growth yet. Mm. There will be. Yeah, there hopefully. is. Yeah, it's slowly occurring now. But with, yeah. so, with, those, with Chainlink, there never will be that ecosystem growth, so to speak. So I think that kind of, from a widespread adoption, hypey, bull run kind of thing, that kind of goes against them, I think. Yeah, I mean, well, the Link token is the currency that's used for interacting across all the different networks. Depending on the, the demand... You know, maybe if you go more into a bear market and companies aren't really looking to transition on the Web3, it's probably going to affect the price a bit. But if there's a ton of different nodes who are staking to be, you know, node operators and you have a ton of, it's like a bull market. Everybody's trying to get back on from Web2 onto Web3. All the hype is in the space. You could see a little bit more of the token being used. And if the token is being used and it's being staked because you need these validators, then maybe you could see an increase in price because of so much demand. Right. Yeah, so we were talking about this before, is there is a parallel between Link and Chainlink as the company, and then XRP and Ripple as the company. Right. Whereas in the past, when we did the truth about XRP, I think we kind of agreed that Ripple will most likely be successful. 
but the XRP token itself, which may not eventually be needed for the network. Yeah. So Link could maybe suffer the same fate where the Link token actually becomes antiquated out of the system and the Chainlink APIs and that whole Oracle <coughs> remains a very successful company, but the Link token may never see that run-up that it just did. Right. And uh, I'm not sure if people knew this or not, but Chainlink is actually owned by a company called Smart Contracts. Right. So what could end up happening is Chainlink becomes the foundation, a foundation within smart contracts, and <coughs> basically it's a, just the technology for that to occur. So right. Yeah, so. I could see that happening. Um, you know, smart contracts is the business. They're the money. Make, they're the ones who are you know obviously going to be making the money. I'm not sure whether the link token will go up in price. Other than the, oh no no, it's tough. It's it's certainly a tough one, and that's why I think we picked this because I can see both sides of the yeah. the argument. You know, it's such a great company and the technology is very much needed, but there are competitors and there's risk of disruption. Is the token needed? So going back to competitors for a bit, I was doing a bit of a deep dive into Mina versus Chainlink. And there's a few things that really stood out to me when comparing the two. So Chainlink requires source websites. So it's drawing data from web two, right? So say ESPN.com. It okay. requires the websites to be turned on. And I'm doing parenthesis for those um, that <laughs> can't see me. So the website has to kind of provide permission. Mina protocol can connect to any public website without needing, needing an agreement from the website. Is that a bad thing though? Like for the web, does the website want like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So I haven't actually researched into exactly how that works. Cause yeah. I feel like that's quite technical. Right. Um, but from the surface layer, it could mean that Mina has access to more data. Right. Um, so that's one thing that stood out to me. And then another thing was Chainlink uh, potentially exposes sensitive, sensitive user data to counterparties. That's what I was going to say, because anytime information is being, is being passed across different contracts or different networks, that's typically when hacks occur, right? Right. And then <coughs> when we were talking about Mina in a previous episode, they use that proof of data, right? Mm. So it's not exposing the data in the same way that Chainlink does. That's the key point right there. Yeah. That's, that's the one. That's right? the kicker. So man, when, when Mina gets going, watch out. Like, I think I would probably rather have Mina in my portfolio than Chainlink, especially mm. when you look at market cap, potential, technology, and yeah, all, of, all those reasons I just described. Maybe, maybe we should be shifting our focus to Mina instead of Chainlink. Maybe we'll have to do an episode on it. The truth about Mina? The truth about Mina. Yeah. That'd I, be an interesting one. Yeah, I think that could be good. And, and one last point. That kind of has now, and you know, if you're following along here, I think you're kind of seeing the way we're moving on, on Chainlink. Two th I think it's around two-thirds of the total supply is in the hands of the, the founding team. Yes. The company used 1 billion Link token. 35% of tokens went to incentivize the node operators. And then there was a pre-sale. The company reserves the, the, company reserves the remaining 30% Link tokens. Mm. So it's not really something you love to see? And they're using those tokens to compensate the pro so. They're using it to pr compensate the project developers and the staff. So, the but staff, you're right. Yeah. There's still 30% within their possession and mm. they can use it however they, they see. It's, it's not a red flag, but it's something to keep, to take note of for sure when you're, when you're, you know, researching these projects. Well, 30, 35% in the pre-sale at 11 cents. I mean, yeah. anybody who's holding it from that, that time frame is up tremendously, even at $6. Yeah. <laughs> you, they can always dump on you, right? Yeah. Still. Yeah, so I don't know. What do you think? Do you have anything else to add, or are you gonna? Is there time to draw a conclusion? I mean, they are right now. They are the leader. Um, you know, with the seventy-five billion that they have secured, 
and I'm not really seeing anybody else taking market share for them yet, other than the fact that we've alluded to, you know, something like Mina. The protocol is being used by the biggest players in the space, by Avalanche, Binance Smart Chain, Ethereum. I mean, it's built on Ethereum. It's an ERC-20 token. So <clears throat> the fact that the technology can be utilized, you don't, you may not necessarily have to use the link token itself. Knowing what we know about another project, I'm going to be leaning away from not buying Link at this time. Yeah. I, I think even though it is the leading Oracle, and I think I de- Oracles definitely have a place in, in the future of blockchain, providing data from Web 2 to Web 3, it just, it just seems like a, you know, a technology that will continue to grow. Yeah. Give it the market cap of where Chainlink is, even though you know, it's down from four to 54 to 6, it's a great buy. And don't get me wrong. You know, when we do these truths about tokens and we say we don't want to buy it, doesn't mean Chainlink's not going to go up. Yeah. When the crypto market pumps, Chainlink will go up just as much as any other token. But it already has a $7 billion fully diluted market cap. It's already pumped. Even though it's down now, it's still up, right? It's still in the top 30. So for me, I would say no to Chainlink. And I would say yes to Mina Protocol, one of their new competitors. The other thing too is like we see so much, there's going to be a lot of institutional adoption once we see regulation. And because... Chainlink is such an OG company. I'm wondering if they're able to update their technology because there's other companies working within the sector who are eventually going to be bringing something <clears throat> revolutionary to the table, like we talked about with Mina. And I'm wondering if once the ins- institutions start to come onto the blockchain more frequently, if they're going to go to something that's a little bit more adaptable. Like remember when we talked about Casper and one of our other networks, how they have the pro- programmability so they can, they're future-proof so that they can upgrade the contracts thereafter. If Chainlink is kind of stuck in, you know, the technology that it currently has, will new companies coming on choose Chainlink or are they going to choose one that can move with the times? Yeah, they definitely will and have been. Yeah. Uh, I think they're on Chainlink 2.0 right now. So you know they're going to keep upgrading. You know, like Ethereum is always upgrading. Every project is always upgrading. So you will see Chainlink 3, 4, 5.0 eventually. Every, every company improves their technology over time. So you can't write them off, obviously. No. But for now, I, I think I'm just going for a competitor with a much smaller market cap, with, which at the moment has better technology. That's what I'm doing as well. Yeah. yeah. So forget, forget Chainlink. Go meet a <laughs> protocol. I mean, this, this, is what, this was, was one of my core holdings in the past. It's like they're onboarding everybody. Yeah. It makes sense. Web 2 to Web 3. You bring smart, smart contracts. You know I thought it was the be-all and end-all, and after digging a little bit deeper, there's just some other competitors out there who bring more to the space, I think. In the I future. mean, look, I'm interested to know more about it. If you're a Chainlink fan, if you don't like it, let us know in the comments. You know, if we miss anything about Chainlink, let us know, and make sure to hit that like and subscribe button. And then make sure you tune to the next episode. That one's going to be a banger. views expressed by speakers on the Beanpod are solely their opinions. You should not treat any opinion expressed on the Beanpod as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a specific strategy, but only as an expression of their opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only.